Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there Steve. Hey. And today, we are back to MV Media and Milton Davis's work with the graphic novel adaptation of Changa and the Jade Obelisk. You could say we're at 133 art. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Changa and the Jade Obelisk is a joint production of MV Media and 133 Art. Um, it's a script from Robert Jeffrey II, pencils by Matteo Illuminati, and colors and lettering by Loris, Loris. Ravina. Loris Ravina. Yes. Which it was. That's old school right there. You don't often get that coloring and lettering credit anymore these days. Yes. Much less by a pro simian. Yeah. Sorry, Loris. I had to, had to take the opening. <laughs> All right. So tell us a little bit about the book there, Steve. Okay. Uh, well, it's about 24 pages long. Uh, no, this... <laughs> It, it, we're, we're talking about the comic book, if you haven't figured that out yet, um, which just came out um, following a successful Kickstarter. Um, it is going to tell the story uh, contained in the first part of uh, Chaga Safari, one of the greatest uh, just sword and sorcery adventure novels ever written. Um and this comic book basically is the setup for for that. Right. It's the the chapter one. If right. You will. It's it's the yeah. It's just the setup for the for the story. So the the novel itself um, is stylized after those old school um, sword and sorcery novels where you get like three short stories that that are kind of uh, bridged together. Mm-hmm. To form one novel, and Morrow was that way. Um, Christ, all, almost all the Elric books were like that. Um, it, it was a very popular way of doing it. Right. So, the so you first, can make your money on it twice. I guess usually it's like republished uh, short stories mm-hmm. that were uh, tweaked into like a cohesive narrative. Right. You know, they had extra footage and stuff. It's like a director's cut. It, it, it is. Of. It's the short story equivalent of a director's cut, where you take the stories and you put them in chronological order, and add in little bits and bobs to make them more. They make them flow better together. Right. And if and, that's what a director's cut is, then yes. Well, well, I, sure, <laughs> sure. Changa, uh, in Milton Davis's words, is Conan with a job. Even though Conan has had many jobs, Conan with a stable job. <laughs> yeah, it is basically. Uh, so Chaga is a merchant. He's a merchant captain um, who plies his trade up and down the east coast of Africa um, in the 15th century. I want to say the 15th century. So it's a uh, part historical fiction, part uh, sword and sorcery. Um, it's definitely got a lot more, it's a lot more, I won't say historically accurate, um, but it's got that historical truthiness to it. Yeah, all those sorcerers running in the 15th exactly. century. 
Right. Well, you know, Europeans came by and fucked all that up. Right. Right. Now, now, Changa, I mean, if, if you really want to put Changa into a, like a, a context, if you're not a person who's been into pulp and whatnot, um, Changa is very much uh, in the vein of uh, Marco Polo or Sinbad the Sailor, that sort of right. that sort of uh, traveling on the road kind of uh, historical fiction slash sword. Jason right, and the is, Argonauts. He's he's trying to make a buck. Right. Right. Un, unlike Jason. Well, I mean, Jason and the Argonauts were after the Golden Fleece, so. Yeah, but wasn't that for some noble purpose? I mean, probably. It was like to rescue Thebes or something. Eh, probably. Or he just was into the pelts of sheep. <laughs> he, had, he had a lanolin fetish. Yes. Um, Changa is joined on his adventures with by his two stalwart companions, the sorceress Panya and the mysterious Tuareg, who in the in the comic is presented as very much a snake eyes kind of character. If you remember the old Larry Hama GI Joe books, never read them. I mean, if you haven't figured this out about me yet. I pretty much, if it's a military fiction, I don't really care for it in any way, shape, or form. Right. But, uh, yeah, that is the same type of presentation. The Tuareg doesn't speak. Uh, so his speech balloons are usually like ellipsis or a question mark or something like that. Like Almost yes. like he's making some kind of noise. He is, uh, in Avatar speak, he's long shot. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he uh, is expressive. He uses other modes of expression. Right. As opposed to speaking. Now, in classic first issue fashion, it introduces all of the characters. Uh, pretty much goes to show you uh, what, what they're good at. And, you know, Changa is, you know, he's the leader. So he's got all these leadership skills. He's a businessman, so he's always thinking of of profit and, and is very um, in touch with world events and the politics going on. So he knows you know, where to go. Well, I don't want to go here because there's a war about to happen. So let's go over here and, and we'll be able to make a couple of bucks here. Uh, yeah, if, if you read the Changa books, it gets into the history, especially the prequel. Right, before um, the safari? Before the safari of how uh, Changa actually uh, develops his skills. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he is not born on the battlefield, so to speak. Um, like some barbarians from uh, Samaria. He actually um, was trained as a merchant for years. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was an apprentice on a, on a merchant ship. Um, he was also a, a a fighting slave in the in the gladiatorial pits in uh, Mogadishu. Thank you, Mogadishu. So, um, you you get a sense of of him being lived in as a character, um, even even in this introduction, um, as opposed to 
Um, oh, there's a dinosaur. I will kill it. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a tower. I will steal from it. Kind of uh, approach to these characters. Uh, right. Now, it's not to say that Changa isn't a bit of a Mary Sue, because he kind of is. But there's a better explanation of why he's good at what he's good at. Right. Than, than most. Right. He's he's trained. And rather than just being good at it, he's, he's right. had years of practice uh, and trial by fire. And Matteo Illuminati's pencils in this in this book convey a lot of the 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 images you get in your mind's eye as you're reading a Changa story. So they, they fit very well. Um, the panels themselves, you know, it's sometimes like the opening sequence. It seems like there might be like a panel too many, you know, showing all the the, the running through the jungle. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's neither, really neither here nor there. It worked. Um, right. Does a very good job at portraying motion. And Yeah, it's definitely very dynamic. Yeah, and also for for a, a book that is features a lot of heavy combat, uh, the, the fight scenes actually seem to have some weight. Uh, meaning that, you know, the impacts... You know, Changa is driving his sword up to the hilt in a guy, you know, and you see the close-ups of, you know, just sword hand just rah, right up against somebody's gut. Yeah, if you could see um, where there's definitely a bit of a manga influence mm-hmm. in, in how action is dealt with. Uh, to be honest, it's a lot, and it, it's it's like manga. There's a lot of close-ups mm-hmm. Um in the fighting scenes as opposed to um, panoramic or even just like um, mid range shots. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't get like both of the figures often who are, who are uh, fighting against each other. You get a close up of, of Chaga with the motion of his sword. Right. And then like the next panel, you'll see the shadow uh, of a guy uh getting hit and then the panel after that it's just the guy with the sword and uh, right. stuff like that it's, it's very um very manga influence which is cool uh, because i think with with the story like this which ha- is more than two-dimensional where you have action and you have a lot of um a, a lot of uh, just drama through the situation you kind of have to have those action sequences um, be quick, um, abrupt, uh, and they have to convey a lot of meaning because you still have to have conversations beyond that. Because uh, right. it's a story. It's not the Fantastic Four going to Yancey Street and discovering that Dr. Doom is there, right? And then mm-hmm. the, you know, just it's a battle of attrition from there. Um, they're telling a story beginning, middle, end. And right. I think, I think, you know, you, you use action as part of that story, but it's not the reason for the story. Right. So right. they do a good job. Now, the Jade Obelisk is a story, uh, as you said, it's like the opening story in of Changa Safari. Yeah. What we have as far as plot is that Changa and his friends are sailing uh, along the coast of Africa. Uh, 
Prior to that, though, we see a young man running through the woods carrying a bundle. And he's being pursued by some nefarious sorts. Changa, uh, they notice this little spit of land, or maybe it's an island. They decide to uh, anchor the ship and take on some supplies to make sure they have enough to go down south. Right. Maybe we'll hunt a boar or something, and or or a um, a buffalo, and have some have a feast. But uh, definitely, we're filling up our water bottles and and things of that nature. And so Changa and the Tuareg go onto the land. Uh, they have a couple of guys in the hunting party, and they meet up with this guy who is being chased. And Changa is like, "Ah, oh, you know, screw this guy." And Tuareg, you know, just like apparently is able to communicate the fact that uh, no. We must help him. Right. And Changa's just like... And and it's actually kind of a funny scene because Changa's like, nah, you know, screw this guy. Let's just get our water. Let's get our fucking boar and and, and go home. And it's it's like, it's a disapproving look. And Well, it's kind of funny because I think Changa even knows that uh, Touareg is going to uh, object before he even looks at him, because if you look at the panel, uh, he's not even looking at, at him. Yeah, he's looking at these guys, and he's just like, "Don't even think about it." Right. <laughs> and he's and then, he, then he's like, "Damn you and your moral code." Yeah, you know, and it's almost like it's almost like the Tuareg Changa is putting his own thoughts in the Tuareg's mouth. It could be. It could definitely be a case of that. Yeah. But uh, I just thought that was a particularly bit of... um, And it turns out the Jade Obelisk is this powerful magical artifact uh, that could possibly destroy the world if included in the set uh, of various horrible magical artifacts. Right. So this guy is the son of an emir... Mm-hmm. who was captured by this this woman um, and managed to escape with the Jade Obelisk. Um, so we get we get him in mid-run. That's where we open it up. Right. And coincidentally, Changa and his um, and his crew are are on the island looking for, you know, uh, a cheap way to re- to restock. A free way to restock. Really. Yeah, exactly. Not cheap, free. Well, which makes sense. Um, and this comic book is basically, uh, it's not a lot in terms of what happens, right? You basically have um, that and uh, the decision to, to take the guy back to his, his kingdom. Yep. That, and that is, and, and then, you know, because he decides to become part of this, um, the, the the subsequent pursuit. So it's not a lot just in terms of action mm-hmm. um, or even, even like story. Um, it might be like in, in the book, I haven't looked it up, but it might be like five pages of story tops. Right. This is going to be a pretty big series. If, uh, you know, if people continue to, to, 
um, purchase it and it mm-hmm. continues to be made because um, I think it's got some ground to cover. Um, I, I'm sure like when there's like when it's more of a um, story and drama and less action, it will it will ease up on on the timing of it, I guess. You right. Know what I'm right. saying. Yeah. I, I, just just like in, in D&D or anything, action takes time. Right. And right. Uh, dialogue is dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there was a, a lot, a lot of movement in those 24 pages uh, to get to a certain point. However, in classic first issue style, it ends on, on a wonderful cliffhanger. Yeah, it does. Um, and, and when I say wonderful cliffhanger, any any ending that makes me go, God damn it. And, and pound my fist on the desk because it's like, it's over. It's done. And I don't have the second one <laughs> to, to, uh, to pick up and continue on. So that's always a good, a good sign because you know, you want to keep reading. Yeah. So, all right. So it's, um, about 13 pages. It is. I just took a, a look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the first chapter, right? Um, of of the of Changa and the Jade Obelisk. So there you go. There you are. Now, of course, you really need to go out and and pick up this book because not only is it one of a very niche market of sword and soul adventures and and even. Uh, black owned comics uh it just you need to buy it so they will make continue making it because there's a lot of books that never make it past the first issue no matter how good they are that's true and rodney's too lazy to to read the actual prose hey (laughs) i have it right here right behind me in arm's reach (laughs) and so you didn't have it (laughs) because if you want to find out what happens? You just read chapter two. Well, yes, but you know this is this is for the purposes of reviewing the comic. Um, I will say that my outlook on comic books in the past five or six years has soured mm-hmm. um, from being an avid comic book fan to someone who um, only thinks one comic, one regularly produced comic, is worth anything these days. Um, and I really like this comic. Right. So, um, I will say, Usagi Yojimbo aside, this is the only comic I'm going to be reading regularly. Um, just, this hits, this kind of like does for me what comics used to do for me back before they became like just ridiculous. Um, it, it, it's that sense of wonder, um, that's that sense of combining story and art, mm-hmm. um, which is done really well. I mean, I don't know if we really conveyed that, but, uh, the way, the way the art and the story come together in this comic book is, is really quite, quite pleasing. It is. It's, it's very well done. Uh, the coloring even is, is nice. Um, a lot of thought put into it. It's not necessarily that 
that photorealistic style that people like. Yeah, it is very. Uh, it's very computery. Well, it's very car. The artwork itself is very uh, cartoony. Uh, I don't mind that. Classic, I, yeah. I, I, it, it's it's that. reminiscent of like like at, in some cases, like you said, manga, and uh, in other cases, like like classic gold and silver age type of art style with with that kind of modern flair. It, it, what it reminds me of, honestly, is when when uh, superheroes back in the nineties had TV shows, right? Mm-hmm. And then they had a comic book uh, line that was supportive of the TV show. And they always used to call them adventures, right? Right, right. Batman, Batman, adventures. Batman adventures. Right. Spider-Man adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it reminds me of that kind of artwork. Um, it's not the artwork that you see in the main book, right? Mm-hmm. It's not John Ram- Ramada Jr. or whatever. Right. It's uh, It's... You know the stuff that is that is geared towards the fans of the TV shows, right? Right, and it's an, uh, a style that is geared toward animation. Well, right, it's it's simpler. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the 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 colors are more not not that the colors in this are are more primary, um, but it's it's in a way they almost are though. It's very bright. Um, you know, there's it's not complicated, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's clean, right? And yeah, it's it's got like that. It's geared. It looks like it's geared towards animation or or manga or something, right? Um, and I guess because it's the 15th century and in, in, in Africa, and we're talking about wooden sailing vessels and, and things of this nature, it is very in that earth tones kind of palette. There are a lot of browns and. And kind of more uh, ochre, ochre colors, orange, orange, uh, more of a brownish reds, umbers. Uh, that that sort of that sort of palette. That's very, it, for me, I, I is very soothing. That's like my one of my particular favorite color palettes. I, I don't really like the bright, more garish colors of, say. Uh, a certain clown villain. <laughs> I would be very surprised if purple and green made it into this series um, as as a regular thing. Right, right, but it does, and it also kind of reflects the world. It makes the world feel a little more lived in than uh, your typical fantasy because because the things are familiar as well. You know, if you yeah, well, I mean, it's not a superhero comic, so it's right. not going to have that color palette. It's not even like a Batman comic, so it's not going to have that color palette. Right, and it's not noir or uh, horror or anything, so it doesn't have the darker color palettes and you know shadows and stuff like that. It is very bright and sunny, and and kind of captures you know that that spirit of adventure that. It, it, it all comes together and works so well, as a good comic book should. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. Um, it's it's kind of strange because the comic that I read now is black and white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's odd reading a, a comic that's in color. Right. Um, and actually, to be honest, my only complaint would be that 
and I might be wrong, and I'm not an artist, so I don't know. It looks a little computerish, um, and that's just a matter of personal taste, to be honest with you. Computerish, as in like the the, the coloring. Ah, uh, well, I think most coloring is done digitally these days because you have but such a palette capable might, and might, printers. Might be why I I don't one of the reasons why I don't particularly uh, read comics anymore. Why? Because of larger color palettes. Uh, or because the, I, the, the, the computer uh, colorize, colorization just doesn't do it for me. Or, or is it the... Um, like, uh, I need vinyl, I guess. Or, or is it like maybe the printing method? Because, I mean, printers have come a long way since, since the comics that really tickle your fancy. Uh, well, hell, even since the 80s and 90s, where you had the, the printers where you saw the little dots... If you got a magnifying glass and now you can print something and it is dotless, it's dotless. It's the colors are smooth and maybe, you know, years of seeing that one printing method and now seeing, you know, something that's the resolutions are higher and stuff like that is, it could uh, be, but you know, I'm just saying I prefer, um, the, the hand-drawn look or the hand-colored look. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's a matter of personal taste. It's neither here nor there. Right. Okay. No, that's fair. It's fair. So definitely uh, check this out. It's available on the MV Media website. And on the cover, you can see dots. Yeah, there's... Uh, yeah, there's... Uh... Hy- the hy- hyena man has dots. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Tone. It's like a tone pattern. They use it a lot in manga. But I'm not a graphic artist, so... Sorry. Sorry, all you graphic artists out there that I'm just mangling the technical jargon of your your careers. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. MVMedia.com Or, sorry, MVMediaATL.com is the proper website we'll have a link in the description of this episode and uh yeah definitely check it out uh buy multiple copies for yourself and your friends so we can get to issue two and uh 30 luck points 30 luck points 